Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. And so if you don't get that triumvirate right, you know, content attracting readers, attracting advertisers, it never works. Best ever listeners, before we get into today's episode and the interview with our best ever guests, I want to mention Fund That Flip because Fund That Flip is an online lender that gives you fast, convenient access to really affordable money that you need for your flip project. So if you're doing residential flips, then the main thing I imagine that you're focused on uh, or the main two things are the deal and the money. Uh, So if you've got the deal pipeline, but you need access to cash and you want to build a reputation within a, uh, a group that will continue to invest their dollars into your deals, then go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Uh, the, the founder of Fund That Flip is Matt Rodak, and he's actually one of my very first guests on the show. It's episode number seven. Um, so if you have a chance, go check that out too. familiarize yourself with Matt and um, what he's all about. But when you're needing money and you want an online lender that provides fast, convenient access to affordable capital for your flipping projects, then Fund That Flip's the way to go. Their team has over 200 deals under their belt. And uh, you can actually, this is crazy, you can actually be approved immediately within 30 seconds once you put in your information. Uh, So go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever and get some money for your flipping projects. Okay, here's a no-brainer. Since you're a real estate entrepreneur, you know that selecting a health insurance plan is a real pain and dealing with the whole process is a pain. That's why I've partnered up with Stride Health and they make the whole process really easy and they have a personal concierge service for you to help you out. They've got a fancy algorithm that helps find the right health plan just for you and on average they can save you 400 bucks a year and it only takes 10 minutes. Go to stridehealth.com forward slash best ever. That's S-T-R-I-D-E-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com forward slash best ever. Hi, best ever listeners. Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. My name is Joe Fairless, and we've got a wonderful episode coming at you with uh, best ever guest who has, let's see, 22, 102, over 20 years worth of experience. See how quick I can do math in my head? We've on this show, you know, that's all about getting straight to the real estate investing advice of the 
best ever guests and it's their best ever advice. And we cut through all that fluffy stuff. We get straight to the insights that move your real estate investing business forward. Interviewed Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad author, and Barbara Corcoran, the investor from Shark Tank. They've both been on the show. And today we've got a wonderful best ever guest with lots of experience. We're going to talk real estate investing, Andrew Waite. How you doing, Andrew? I'm doing well, thank you, Joe. And if I spit, I can hit uh, Robert's house. He's just down the road from me. Well, there you go. Then, then you also probably have come across Tom Wheelwright, the uh, Robert CPA, who we've had on the show. And Andrew said that he is having this interview in his pink bunny slippers. So, if if you want a visual, then you can go ahead and visualize that while he's talking. My pink bunny wingtips. Wingtips yeah. clarification. Yes, your wingtips. Andrew is the founding publisher of Personal Real Estate Investor Magazine. He founded it in 2003. He's initiated and sold a Home Depot on an idea of Reno Walk app, and uh, we'll, we'll get some uh, insight into what that is and in, in the relevancy. He's a longtime real estate investor. He started in 1992, and he has built portfolios and liquidated them three times since then, the largest being 30 Doors. And he's got a wealth of experience that we are going to dive right into. So, Andrew, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on? Well, I'm a recovering lawyer, but I've also worked at Anderson. So I have pay a lot of attention to compliance and numbers and how things work. And one of the things that was always astounding to me about real estate investors was their a lack of financial discipline in terms of not only doing the positive number, you know, what's this property capable of producing in the way of revenue, but what's the worst case scenario once you own it in terms of the negative situation. So, you know, doing all of those things that are typical uh, in, in the case of rentals, doing NOI comps and uh, risk indexes and all the sorts of stuff you need to know that uh, basically, you know, take a spreadsheet, an optimistic spreadsheet and uh determine what happens when it runs into people or tenants who tend not to perform as required by the spreadsheet. Yeah, with that, you'd mentioned um, you know, something that you'd said, how do you, you asked the realtor when you first got started, how do you stock pick an investment property? And how do you stock pick an investment property? Well, it's not just investment properties, it's a property, right? So when you're in the stock market, you're looking at fundamentals and technicals of a stock. You know, what business is the business in and how have they performed from a technical point of view compared to peers? In terms of houses, the fundamentals of a house are, you know, uh, three beds, two baths, uh, etc. The The technicals are that house as it has performed related to other houses in the neighborhood. But then there are two other criteria, which I call culturals, meaning, you know, what is it like? What's the neighborhood like and how much in demand is it? And then personals. At the end of the day, somebody, someone has got to buy that one house because it suits them and they'll live in it. So it's fundamentals, technicals, culturals and personals. And when you line up all that data, you get something that fits. Now, in the, in the case of a, of a rental property, it's the same sort of data, fundamentals, technicals, culturals, which now are who would you attract at the price points you've, uh, you're, you're going to be able to offer this property at or think you can. And then, you know, what sort of tenant are you going to end up with in terms of the ideal tenant? 
So that's the way you measure the, the uh, or collect the data that you put into those buckets to arrive at the decision whether this is a good starting point. It's not a definitive uh, answer. It's a starting point. You mentioned in the bio that you initiated and sold Home Depot on an idea of Reno, Reno Walk app. What is that, and is it related to real estate? Oh, absolutely. So Home Depot came to the magazine back in 2010 and said, we care about the real estate investor niche. Um, I'd been chasing them for about five, uh, eight years beforehand, saying there was a, a lot of money being spent by real estate investors. So they came to me in 2010 and said, okay, we want to go after this niche. How do we do it? And the long and the short of it is they were doing you know, direct marketing opportunities and frequent buyer builds. And I said, guys, there's a new technology that's just come into the marketplace in the form of the iPad. I believe, based on what I know of the technology, um, because we'd taken the magazine onto the iPad right out of the box. And I said, there's a lot more here. Let's build a tool to hand to an investor, and we'll go after, go after the investors on three things. We will give them a tool, and the tool is walk a property, identify the tasks, sort them by craft, labor, and materials, and then drive an order to Home Depot. In return for that free app that will streamline the the uh, the scope of work type of process, they will register with Home Depot and you will have a uh, a copy of, uh, or at least their name in terms of a direct marketing list. They agreed. We got a contract to build that. Uh, it's still We still manage it as of today. Um, but that system's putting millions of dollars a week in terms of material orders through that system. It's available two national account members from Home Depot. They give it to people, and it's used by companies as large as Blackstone and Cerberus all the way through to small uh, investors. But it's generating millions of dollars a year, hundreds of millions of dollars a year. For, for Home Depot. Right. And when you sell Home Depot on an app like that, how do you make money? And is it on, is it on an ongoing basis or is it a one-off cost? Ours was a development uh, project. What we've gone on to do, however, is that most of the major funds and many of the major mid-caps, the turnkey companies, realized that we had some very valuable data that needed to be integrated into other processes. Uh, their acquisition process because of uh, what's it going to cost to repair the property, um, then the actual process of repairing the property, then taking all of the data from that, the CapEx and the OpEx data, cost segregating it and pushing it into accounting, and then, of course, all the property management uh, data from a turn or a maintenance and repair event, and then rolling that all into the accounting system for tax returns, depreciation, et cetera. So we sell a the company I work uh, with, Nitro Mobile Solutions. We sell a subscriber-based uh, turnkey system to any type of mid-cap or large-cap investor and the system works with, uh, you know, in the major uh, property management systems like Yardi and Buildium and so forth, as well as QuickBooks and Timberline and so forth. So it's a it's a it's a data federation model that uh, helps major investors. The the one thing that's very interesting though, the opportunity for small investors with these people is they can't find and buy houses fast enough that fit their investor profiles. So there's a huge opportunity growing in the mid to small investor in terms of generating 
qualified properties for these investment funds. Now, the word is that the big investment funds are, are withdrawing from the market. Nothing could be further from the truth. But what is added to it is a lot of smaller fund uh, creators and family offices and others have all woken up to the fact that real estate investment is a lot more than what somebody like uh, Robert Kiyosaki pitches. It's a real business that can be managed by some experts. Um, it's, not a, it's not a business to be played with. It's a, it's a very serious business that you need to address in a very uh, thoughtful way. And um, so a lot of money is coming into the market. And it's going to change the market a lot. But there's a huge opportunity for small to medium players to either ally with these funds, uh, family offices, or syndications so that they can get their fair share of it. How are you defining small and medium? Small is, uh, small is you know, the typical individual investor with two to three properties. Um, they get serious when they start hitting 10 to 15 a year. Now you're talking about, uh, you know, turnover of anywhere from a million to $3 million. Uh, when you get into that range, there's enough admin costs, renovation costs, maintenance costs that you can really start saving money by automating processes. And then if you're over 50 homes a year, you're in the mid cap range and that's up to about a thousand homes. Then the large cap is a uh, thousand homes above. All right. So when you're, you're talking, when you mentioned the small and medium have an opportunity to ally with the funds, so family offices and a family office is simply an office that manages the money of high net worth families um, and invests it on their behalf. So you're saying that two to three single family homeowners or people who are investing in about 10 a year have an opportunity to ally with these family offices. How would that work? Well, people, you know, real estate's local. I mean, at the end of the day, you can't get away from the fact that the asset is fixed in a locality. Um, it's got certain local customs, local financial characteristics that you can't get away from. You can't normalize across uh, you know, uh, Dallas and New York. They just, it's two different products, right? But you need people locally that understand that. When somebody in uh, Minnesota says, we want to invest in the South, talk to me about a, a, a city that's an, an attractive city, let's say, uh, you know, a B city like a Nashville or a Birmingham. There's going to be people in that town, and often they're small investors, who are finding and buying properties with a view to either wholesaling them, renovating them and selling them as stabilized properties or any you know variety thereof. That's how the small investor participates. I know a lot of small investors who in the 2010-2011 range had built portfolios in the previous three to five years that stole them as stabilized uh, rentals to the Blackstones and the, the uh, Colony Americans, the BLTs of the world. And they walked away with a very handsome profit and went off to do the next round. And the next round, as it turned out, based on timing, allowed them to uh, buy depressed real estate and start all over again. All right. So let's pretend that I'm in 
uh, one of those markets that you mentioned. Let's say I'm in Dallas, Dallas, Fort Worth. I have three homes, investment properties, and I want to implement this plan that you just mentioned where I reach out to a family office and ally with them or partner with them, find them opportunities, they fund it, and I do the legwork. How do I go about doing that? Well, first of all, you've got to find the, the relationship, right? So I'm assuming you already have the properties. Now the, the, uh, the game is to work out who is buying in those markets and trying to aggregate properties either for a small fund, meaning you know 50 to $100 million, or for a family office, which could be 10 to 20. It's just a matter of finding who is in the, in the market and who is buying stabilized properties. How do we go about finding that? There's a number of ways. Uh, there's a number of people that represent those folks. Own America, REI 2020. There's lots of people that know how to do that. Attend some of the shows. You'll run into folks like uh, Gorilla, Merrill Kalisar. There's a whole bunch of folks that attend those types of shows that represent those folks. And those folks being the family offices or the funds that will purchase the properties. Small cap funds, right? Small cap funds, right. Okay. Andrew, what's your best real estate investing advice ever? Do your math. Do your numbers. And when you've done them, do them again. And keep, you know, keep working on the negatives. Risk indexing. You know, the biggest problem you see rental income is that folks uh, forecast a, you know, optimistic rental income based on rent range data or any of the the, the typical uh, tools that tell you what you can expect in the way of rent. But that's the best case. The delta that occurs between what's scheduled if somebody signs a contract and agrees to pay versus what happens if they lose their job, they're just a poor tenant and you end up having to evict them, what's the actual rent collected? That is probably one of the single biggest uh, mistakes that uh, investors make. Even these, these turnkey vendors that are out there telling you you're going to do, make a fortune in the real estate market, I've seen so many abuses in terms of, you know, omitted vacancy allowances, maintenance reserves, all those other calculations that you must include to attend to those surprises such as, oh, the HVAC failed in the middle of uh, a Memphis summer. Um, that sort of problem. So, you you know, you're looking at uh, a $5,000 or a $3,000 replacement, and that $3,000 replacement is going to, you know, take away that marginal uh, profit that you were going to make of $1,000 a year for three years. So suddenly that investment becomes real marginal, and it happens often. I want to ask you about, you know, you're the, you're one of the, uh, the founding publisher of Personal Real Estate Investor Magazine. And did you sell that to a company afterwards, or are you, is it still privately owned? How is that structured? It was privately owned by me, and that was sold to Affinity Media, which is a division of uh, Affinity Enterprises out of Kansas City. All right. And when was it sold? Uh, deal closed in uh, December of 2014 and uh, changed hands in uh, – uh, we managed it through the end of March of 2015 for, for quarterly transition purposes. What advice would you give someone who wants to create a publishing-focused company in real estate and wants to sell it down the line? Well, the whole thing in, in any sort of media uh, game is what is your revenue 
and then what is the sustainable revenue based on the number of subscribers. Now, you know, the, the, one of the interesting things that I was in print publishing prior to the arrival of the Internet, and then when the Internet arrived, everybody was saying, you know, it's okay to lose money while you build readership, but it's real hard to have a price increase on when you've published prices zero, right? As we've found a lot of people, when they set up paywalls to try and recapture subscription costs, their, uh, their subscribers or their, uh, their eyeballs dropped off dramatically. So the first rule of creating a media company is who cares about your subject in terms of readership, and then who in the way of sponsors and or advertisers will pay you money to get to that readership. So, um, you know, valuable content, attracting a valuable readership, attracting a paying sponsorship or, uh, or advertiser base. And so if you don't get that triumvirate right, you know, content attracting readers, attracting advertisers, it never works. And I'm watching, you know, publications out there right now. Nobody had ever produced a magazine that was sold on the newsstands in the United States around real estate investing. We were the first ones to do it, and we were selling at max 900 copies a month on the island of Manhattan alone, right? That's really significant. In a traded asset world, we were selling a real estate magazine to consumers on the island of Manhattan. That was just obviously a small sample, but if you can if you can sell to stockbrokers and, and people that are worried about traded assets, and you can sell them a non-traded asset magazine, that's a that's a win. Nobody's ever done that before because what they do is they fall in love with the subject, meaning real estate investing, and they don't understand the business of you know creating a media platform that you know hiring people and editorial and subscriptions and newsstands and all those things that are really important. Now, folks come back and say, newsstands, why would you care about selling it on newsstands? That's important for advertisers, because if an advertiser can walk into a, a Barnes & Noble and pick up your magazine and see his ad or her ad, that's very powerful. And we've played that very heavily. I mean, we were on um, most major newsstands in the United States, but more importantly, at airports. Uh, the new buyer of uh, of uh, Personal Real Estate Investor Magazine has chosen not to do that. Um, it's expensive to do, but it's also um, really important to leverage the number of paid pages in the magazine. We're at 50 to 75 paid pages every magazine. Um, I don't know what they are at the moment, but uh, you know those sorts of things are critical if you're a uh, if you're thinking about doing a publication. You've got to get the revenue. Interesting stuff. Thank you for sharing that. You ready for the best ever lightning round? All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. If you need money for your flipping project, then go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. You'll know within 30 seconds if you're approved or not to get money for your residential flip. Go to fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Andrew, what's the best ever book you've read? The Bible. Best ever personal growth experience and what'd you learn from it? Actually, uh, AA. What'd you learn from it? It ain't about me. Uh, will you elaborate? You know, most of us go through life not thinking about what's going on around us very much. Um, you know, and, and we think it's all about ourselves. 
when you realize that you're in service to others, you know, things really start re working because people acknowledge that you're a, a valuable partner in relationships as opposed to, you know, somebody who's trying to sell them something, for example. I've always believed that when you sell something, and I've spent a lot of time in the sales role, um, when you sell something, that's when the work begins because you now have to fulfill what you've sold. And um, I, I, I've discovered that in the service role, if you're selling in a consultative manner, trying to help people, you're going to get a lot more business than you would if you're just trying to, you know, pitch them a product and, you know, hopefully get them to pay you. Um, when they understand that you're a partner and not a vendor, the whole world changes for them and for you in terms of the amount of business that you uh, you win. We've just won a we've just won a, an account in the real estate investment business. And the, the first the first round of orders is half a million dollars, and they've already come back to us and said, okay, if you can do that, and we've just begun to deliver it, by the way, and it's going to take 18 months, we've just begun to deliver that, and they've come back to us and said, we have another problem, could you address that? And that's probably a two and a half to three million dollar project over the next 12 months. But it all comes from being in the we're here to serve as opposed to sell. Best ever deal you've done? Selling publication companies. Not any of the, the three portfolios that you've built up and liquidated? The margins in selling media companies is huge. What's an example? $20 a subscriber. So $20 a subscriber is what? Times the number of subscribers. Is what you could sell it for. Uh -huh. that, that's, yeah, absolutely. And are those paid subscribers yes. for... Oh, no, I'm sorry, only paid subscribers. Okay, so $20 per paid subscriber. Yeah. Got it. And it typically ends up being a multiple of paid subscribers plus multiple of revenue. And it's believe me, it's infinitely different than real estate. I mean, real estate is capped by your market comps. When you sell a publishing or a media company, it's not necessarily capped by your peers. What's it capped by? Innovation, a combination of innovation, uniqueness of message, as well as the uh, the fundamentals, the revenue and the subscribers. Best ever project you're most excited about right now? Building out the next uh, system for one of our clients. Best ever way you like to give back? Serving at uh, in various roles in my church and other places. What's the biggest mistake you've made so far in business or real estate? Not making enough of them. Can you elaborate? Well, taking risk and failing is more worthwhile than succeeding is, you know, all the time. And the lessons that come out of a failure are enormous. What's an example of a time when you failed? Oh, my Lord. A million. I've got a million failures in my background, all of which, you know, have helped me a lot. I think probably the biggest failure was not recognizing earlier in my life that I needed to get sober. I think that's probably the biggest the biggest failure in my life. I didn't get sober till I was 50. Best ever way the listeners can reach you? I bet you not many people admit that. My cell phone, 602-317-0700 or await at nitromobilesolutions.com. Andrew, it was a, an incredibly candid conversation and I appreciate that. And the best ever listeners definitely appreciate that as well. Uh, it's what this show is all about is, is getting straight to the, the real stuff and sincerely appreciate you playing full out with us on that. And, you know, talking not only about your real estate investments, but 
also how to position a company and for any best ever listeners who have a blog, who have a podcast, who have a YouTube channel, or who want any of those things and are planning on doing it, then this is a very valuable interview for them to listen to over and over again on the different aspects that we've got to pay attention to whenever we build a publishing type of platform in real estate or really in any industry. But in this case, we're talking real estate from the ground up and things we need to look for. And then also on the real estate front, talking about the opportunity that you see to ally with the family offices if you're local and you're investing in your local market to have those opportunities and and bring them to family offices and, and funds. And then also, you know, talking about, you know, whenever you, you, you didn't get sober till you're 50. And then at that point, that was a, a revelation for you and um, things have been rocking and rolling. So appreciate you sharing all of your, you know, your personal experiences and your business experiences. And there, is there anything else you want to mention to the best ever listeners before we sign off? Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of pipe pipers out there in the real estate investment business that always have, you know, that secret they're ha- happy to show you for money. You don't need to pay for all that, uh, those lessons and so forth. There's so many smart professional people out there who make it their life to share what they know as success, and they're very willing to do it because you know that's part of their giving back. And, you know, go find somebody in your neighborhood you respect who's a real estate investor if you need help and, you know, ask them to help you. And you'll be surprised how many say yes. Awesome. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing your advice and hope you have a best ever week. Joe, thank you so much indeed.